You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hi, and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Talk update on Tuesday, July the 16th. My name is Seamus Strapp from our Customer Treasury Unit and AIB's Chief Economist, Oliver Mangan, joins us to discuss bond yields and central bank policy. Oli, while currency markets remain relatively range-bound, equity markets are strong with the S&P hitting record highs last week, but 10-year bond yields in the US, the Eurozone and the UK backed up by 15 to 20 basis points. Can you bring us up to speed in those developments? Yeah, well, certainly um, it was a notable week last week. The S&P broke 3,000. Uh, it's now up over 20% year-to-date. Uh, other bond markets remain, or say, stock markets, equity markets remain strong. Um, I suppose the notable feature last week was we've had this year that unusual pattern where bond markets and equity markets are traveling in the same direction. So we've had this rising bond prices, falling bond yields, and at the same time we've had this very strong stock market performance. That sort of changed a bit last week with that backup in bond yields. I think what we saw last week is, um, you know, we we had Chairman Powell, the head of the Fed, up for a congressional committee. We had minutes from the ECB. Uh, in Powell's testimony, you know, still gave strong indications uh, that the Fed is likely to ease policy very soon. He very much focused on the downside risk to global growth. And the same message was coming through from the ECB minutes about the inflation being below target, downside risk to growth, uh, and that they'll have to look at uh, the policy sessions in the coming weeks. So there's nothing there to dissuade markets that uh, the central banks are on the verge of loosening policy. However, what we have seen over the last week to 10 days, um, you know, we, we think of the very strong employment report out of the US, uh, you know, I think there's 224,000 rise in uh, in employment in the month of June, which is a very, very big increase. Uh, unemployment rate still down near a 50-year low. Uh, we had some strong inflation data out of the US as well, that the core index, when you exclude energy, jumped by the biggest amount in uh, 18 months from the year and year from above 2%. Uh, we've had good services data out of the Eurozone. So, um, you know, the central banks are still concerned about downside risk, but there's some doubt certainly coming to the, to the minds of the bond markets in terms of how much easing they will actually do, because a lot of policy easing has been priced in by markets. Uh, in the States, they're expecting a series of rate cuts from the Fed. So, in other words, 100 basis points in total easing. So, the the rate cut we're expecting in July will be the start of a number of rate reductions. They've now priced in almost a full quarter point cut in Bank of England rates for early next year. Uh, and in regard to the ECB, you know, rates are already very negative. They're minus 0.4%. Market's still looking for a uh, rate cut there, maybe up to 15 basis points. The Bank of England um, restart, or sorry, the, the ECB restarting its quantitative easing program. But markets are beginning to wonder, you know, that data holding up, the, the downside risk will prompt easing, but will they do as much as they have been pricing in? So bond yields have risen because markets have scaled back somewhat the extent of policy easing uh, that they expect in the next year or so. Okay, so a, a rate cut in the US likely at the next meeting. Um, you mentioned the non-farms being very strong at plus 224,000. Mm. This week we have retail sales, consumer sentiment and the beige book. Are they all expected to confirm expansion? Um, they'll certainly show the U.S. economy is continuing to grow. We have a wide range of data out of the U.S. Now, it's only one month's data. It's for, it's for June. It will, there's, there's data on the industrial side of the economy, manufacturing output. 
there's data on retail sales, there's data on consumer sentiment, there's a broad range of data on the housing market. They're likely to show that the economy continues to expand in quarter two, and I think we know that. Uh, I think the Fed's more concerned about what's going to happen to the economy in the second half of the year. And it probably feels there's no harm easing policy here. Um, you know, growth has slowed a bit. It, but to prevent the, the downside risks materialising into a sharp slowdown in U.S. economic activity, they want to do some easing. So I think, um, you know, the, the general view of markets is, no matter what the data are this week, um, the Fed will go ahead and ease because of the downside risks. But if the data were strong, they would, I think, add to the doubts that are in the back of markets' minds about the extent of Fed easing over the next 6 to 12 months. So we might get a rate cut or two, but will we get three or four? So the data are important from that point of view. And in the UK, you know, it's bothering the Bank of England that wage inflation has picked up towards 3.5%, and that acceleration in wage inflation is expected to be confirmed by data for May. We'll get uh, um, this week. Uh, employment growth has held up. So the labor market's tight. Uh, the unemployment rate's below 4%. is at its lowest level since, um, I think, the mid-1970s. So again, as in the US, the labor market's tight. And earlier on in the year, the Bank of England's telling us, well, we think we may have to raise rates. Now, again, I think that policy's gone very much on hold. So the market is expecting a rate cut now for the Bank of England. But the, the data in the next while are going to, be, going to be important in that regard in terms of whether they deliver that rate cut early next year. And that's the same for all markets. I mean, near term, the data won't knock central banks off course in terms of the Fed easing or the or the ECB easing. But uh, you know, the data will be very important in deciding the extent of the central bank easing we get over the next six to nine months. Of course, the Bank of England's last move was was a rate hike uh, in in August two thousand and eighteen. Um, as as we all await Brexit developments, do you, do you think there'll be any official move from the Bank of England before we get clarity? Uh, this, the Bank of England is very much on hold. Uh, and I think it's important to realise that the market doesn't have fully priced in a UK rate cut until early next year. Now, obviously, we've got a very big event and a very big bridge to cross uh, before then, which is the Brexit date at the end of October and how that materialises. I think the reality is that the biggest impact on Bank of England rate policy will be how Brexit unfolds over the balance of the year. If we get a no-deal hard Brexit... Uh, I think the likelihood is that will have very negative effects uh, on the UK economy uh, and the Bank of England is likely to cut rates in those circumstances. Given what we already have, weakening global backdrop, weaken international trade, slow down the manufacturing sector, weaken off economic activity in the UK economy because of Brexit uncertainty. Uh, if, however, Brexit gets resolved uh, or we, we see... Um, some form of deal being agreed by the UK Parliament and it sets up a soft Brexit uh, later this year, well then, you know, you wouldn't rule out uh, a Bank of England rate hike uh, if growth picked up on the back of that. So there's, above any country, I think it's fairly nailed on, we'll get rate cuts in the US uh, over the summer and maybe into the autumn. I think it's fairly nailed on that the ECB will loosen policy. Uh, it might be a small rate cut and restart the quantitative easing. The greatest uncertainty uh, is around what the Bank of England will do. And as I say, the markets are really not pricing any near-term move there for, for, for sterling markets in terms of uh, monetary policy action. If the rate cut is coming this year towards the end of this year or into uh, next year. Okay, well, there's policy meetings around the end of July for all three. And just looking at the ECB for a minute, um, 
you mentioned potential rate cuts there. So just to remind everyone, the deposit rate is minus 40 basis points at the moment and the refi is at zero. Zero, yes. Which one do you think they'll focus on? They'll focus on the deposit rate. That's what they've moved in recent times. Uh, if they were to cut the, dep- the, the refi rate, it would have a significant impact on the banking system. All deposits held with the ECB, including regular deposits, they would have to, banks would be penalised for holding that money with the ECB. There's talk of a tiered uh, deposit rate. I think we may see a reframing uh, of ECB policy in the context of a further rate cut and maybe more of the focus in terms of, you know, there isn't much scope to take rates much lower in the Eurozone. So the focus may be on restarting their uh, bond buying program. The July meeting might signal um, we, we, we may not get a rate cut or a uh, a start to bomb buying immediately. The way the ECB tends to operate is give signals uh, that will be will be cut in September. It tends to lead the market well in advance in terms of what it's doing. So it says we're considering easing policy. Uh, what we might get in July is announcements about where the easing may come and at what time uh, over the over the uh, next couple of months. It probably won't be at the July meeting itself, but certainly people are looking to September, which is the, the next meeting, as one where the actual decisions will be taken in terms of uh, what they'll do. Okay, and Christine Lagarde is due to take over from Mario Draghi in the autumn. Is the market's view of that um, a dovish appointment in the same way that Mario Draghi has been seen as a dove? Yeah, well, I think... One would thought that you couldn't get a more benign and dovish uh, central bank governor as you refer to Mario Draghi, but the expectations in markets is that uh, Christine Lagarde, if anything, could be even more dovish because of her term in the, um, you know, she's head, headed up the IMF for the last seven or eight years, and she's been very supportive of central banks taking action to underpin growth, and particularly uh, of the ECB, because, I mean, it's t- t- torn up the rule book here in terms of what it's done. These are extraordinary measures. Uh, unorthodox policy measures, large bond buying programs, negative interest rates. So given her strong support for those sort of actions, um, I think, and given also the IMF, the IMF over the last 12 months have been you know, pointing out in particular the downside risk to global growth. Remember, the IMF remit, it's global. It, 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 it's a global organisation. So it's looking at China and the slowdown there. It's looking at the emerging problems in places like Argentina and Turkey. These are big economies now. So it's got a good oversight of the uh, global economy. And it has been particularly concerned uh, at the marked slowdown in international trade, the weakening manufacturing activity, and the growing downside risk to, to growth. And if you know, if Christian Lagarde was to bring that to the ECB, it certainly would support further policy action. So actually, the announcement of her, of her appointment um, increased the bets that we'd get near-term easing from the ECB and saw bond markets rally even further uh, in terms of expectations of ECB action. Okay, so very benign outlook then for, for the Eurozone with, with three-month money futures um, staying neg- negative until 23-24 at the latest look. Um, finally, Ali, a quick dub- update on currencies. Uh, Tory membership have until next Sunday to vote on their next leader and, of course, the UK Prime Minister. Do you anticipate any sterling volatility in the run-up to that? Unlikely. I mean, it, what's been remarkable, not just this year, for the last 12 months, really, is how range-bound most currencies have been, despite big moves in stock markets, uh, big changes in the economic outlook, very strong rally in bond markets, changing interest rate expectations, and at the same time, currencies have hardly moved. I mean, you know, in particular, uh, the euro and the yen and the dollar have been very, very range-bound. Sterling has moved around in terms of 
uh, eb- the ebb and flow of informal regard to Brexit. So Sterling rallied earlier on the year when pe- people anticipated that there'd be a deal and we'd have a soft Brexit. Then it's lost ground again um, over the last couple of months as markets begin to fear there could be a no-deal Brexit. But it's still range-bound. I mean, it's still there in that sort of 85, 86 to 90p range, 91p range that's been for the last two years. So even the movements in sterling are within a range. I think markets have, you know, fully priced in, I anticipate, Boris Johnson becoming the next uh, Tory Prime Minister, unless he was to take uh, or announce some early actions that increase the risk of a no-deal Brexit, I don't see the markets reacting too much to the appointment. So I think the action in currency markets in regard to sterling is more is more likely to happen after the summer break in September and October when, you know, that end October exit date becomes more clearly into view and how the UK can manage to extract itself with the EU and still, you know, most people want a deal. Uh, Boris Johnson is saying, well, if we can't get a deal, we're leaving anyway. So that backdrop wouldn't be very supportive for sterling but i think in the next few weeks it's probably okay but we could see a lot of volatility in september october and sterling okay and last words to the us dollar hovering around 113 against the euro yeah it's a very difficult call um and i suppose the safest place to be is saying well uh, it'll probably continue to trade around current uh, levels i would warn people though that the market is very long the dollar um Uh, So a lot of position has been built up in favour of the dollar. Even though rate cuts are coming in the US, they're coming elsewhere as well. And the US rates are much higher than elsewhere, which is a significant prop for the dollar. Uh, So as a result, you know, we've seen bond yields are much higher in the US than elsewhere. Uh, We've seen a repatriation of monies into the US on the back of the corporate tax cuts. So the demand for the dollar has been strong. Market position for the dollar is strong. Uh, But when you're usually long, the market is usually long to the extent it is the US currency if that usually happens it's hard for it to make further progress so maybe that's why we've seen the dollar um, despite the continued strength of the US and the higher level of US interest rates failing to make progress in the last six to nine months again the stock market's been strong because the market's already very long the currency but then are you going to buy the euro at negative interest rates are you going to buy the yen at zero interest rates are you going to buy sterling with all the Brexit uncertainty are you going to buy the Aussie dollar cutting rates you're not so it's 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 caught in this tight range. And um, to be honest with you, currency is the hardest things to forecast uh, and the dollar could go either way in the next while. Thank you, Ollie, as always, for your insightful commentary and thank you to our customers for listening to our weekly podcast. If you wish to stay up to date on the markets while on summer holidays, please press the subscribe button to AAB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. Speak with you next week. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.